I've got a very special guest. One of, and we say this every time he's on a show, one of the OGs of the podcasting community, Nate from Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings podcasting network is here with me. Nate, how are you doing? I am doing terrific, Charlie. Thank you so much for having me on. We've done like some some hitters uh, together with uh, with Justice and Justice for All. So I met you there personally. That was cool, and uh, really appreciate you uh, you having me on to talk bills. This is this is going to be fun. Yeah, well, you know, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, <clears throat> clearing some time time for me to uh, for us to talk about the offense. Um, I, I did do a little thing with justice about the wide receiver. So I wanted to focus more on like the running backs, the offensive line with you. Training camp is in full effect. Um, news news is coming out left and right. We had Josh Allen sign the back of Dawson Knox's neck uh, while Dawson Knox was signing something for a fan. And we also had Josh Allen uh, very graciously give away his cleats to uh to two kids who were there who didn't have anything for him to sign he took his shoes off and uh signed the shoes for the kids so that was that was a nice gesture for the people there so how are you feeling so far about training camp just in general and then we'll kind of get into some more uh some more details yeah th- those are it's funny you say that about Josh because uh th- that was I thought that was cool that Josh did that to to Dawson. Um, it probably made his neck worth like three hundred bucks now. Like it's just <laughs> automatically made it a more a more ex- like you know, it went up in value is what I'm saying. So uh, and then you know giving off giving his cleats to the two uh, two kids there that was cool. Um, did you see the so Peter King was in Buffalo or I'm sorry St John Fisher to do uh, I did a see quick, the video. Did you see the video where like he went to go. Um, give him a, give him a handshake. Right. And then, you know, Peter King doesn't even see it. It does his sign. This is signing off for Peter King, you know, have you seen it or whatever. And, uh, yeah. and then it like Josh Allen just stands there like, and, and, and I gotta be honest, like we've all been there trying to give a handshake <laughs> or a high five to someone and they leave you hanging. Josh right. does it the absolute best. I was showing my son his version of of it on uh, when they were golfing together. I was showing him the some of the clips of like when they were golfing together before the match, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Josh Allen went to go give like uh, Matt Barkley or Case Keenum a high five. I can't remember, and totally totally got you know left him hanging. Didn't even right, see him right. there. He did his own high five. You know, <laughs> you know, gave pointed to the camera. He's, I was like, I was like, nobody does this cooler. Then Josh, he's just Ryan Talbot from New York Upstate said it just best. He's like Josh Allen's just a big kid, like you know what I mean. He's just a funny, like easygoing, easily likable guy. Um, I've said this since the beginning. You know, when the Bills signed that huge contract with Josh Allen, some people were like, "Well, you know, what has he really done yet?" Um, and you know, he's just—I I don't think it can be expressed enough how much his value is worth off the field and the kind of person he is and how easily likable he is. And that should make him automatically besides his God given talent and his work ethic, he should be the highest paid quarterback in the league for that. And then, you know, also he's so, so darn likable um, to go along with that. But, uh, but yeah, no, no, that was, that was cool to see. Um, But yeah, this, this, uh, as far as uh, what was your original question about the offense or just in general, the training just camp? Your, your sort of general feelings about training camp. I know, I know we've had, you know, we've had some news come out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the cover one guys I think are all over 
the first couple days in terms of what they're seeing. So just some general thoughts, and then we'll kind of get into the offensive line and, and some stuff like that. Yeah, so um, I was actually at uh, St. John Fisher on Sunday, and uh, it was it was really cool to be there. Like, the atmosphere was incredible. Uh, you know, the first day of practice, you know, everyone's just happy, excited. They hadn't seen training camp here in Rochester in two, I guess this will be, you know, two years since we've we've actually had one. I guess this will be the third year um, since we've had one. But it's, it's really cool uh, to be a part of if you haven't been a part of it, which I, which I, you know, it's funny. I talk on the podcast um, this the other day about it. And it's like, you know what, like a lot of people haven't been to St. John Fisher for training camp. It's been here for like, I don't know, 20 years. I'm fortunate. I live in the Rochester area. So I go to it almost every year, if not multiple times a year. Um, and I've seen quarterback after quarterback go through it. And this, this excitement is not only because we haven't, nobody's been here for a couple of years, but also like the expectations of the season is just, it's incredible. It's a, it's a, such a fun time to be a bills fan. And you know, it's, it's, it's also like, you know, the paradox of training camp because you know, uh, if the defense makes a play on Josh Allen, you're like, okay, well, that's not good that Josh Allen is having a slow start or whatever. But then, you know, if Josh Allen has like a great, you know, 25-yard pass to Stefan Diggs, you're like, oh, where was the coverage on that from Elam? You know, like it's it's such a funny paradox of of what of what's going on and stuff like that. But no, it's 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 exciting. It sounds like the defense is picking up right where they left off in their number one ranking of last season. They're giving Josh Allen a run for his money, but he's also, you know, you know, clicking as well. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have the punter battle, you know, going on, which is fun to say. And by the way, I will say when I saw Matt Hawk on Sunday and I was watching both of them punt, he didn't look terrible. I will say that I, I, I'm a Matt Reza fan. I hope he does, you know, I hope he wins the job, but Matt Hawk did, did not look bad. Compared to, I mean, but it's in practice. We'll see when the bullets are really <laughs> flying because that's all that matters. Uh, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Um, it's exciting to see. And, you know, I think they're really starting to finally get into it and we'll see when they get the pads on, on Saturday, you know, where, where it actually takes off from there. Yeah. And I, one thing that I, I did, I think it was Eric Turner and, and maybe you saw it too. I think maybe it was on Sunday. Uh, he mentioned how it was either, I don't know if it was in the goal line per se, but in the red zone, they had a formation where it was like OJ Howard, Dawson Knox, Stefan Diggs. Then they had like Reggie Gilliam and James Cook, you know? <laughs> and so it's just like, obviously it's more of like you would think a power formation. And then I, I kind of assumed that everyone kind of spread out, right? Like James Cook comes out of the backfield and suddenly, you know, it's more of like 10 personnel um, or, or obviously you can give the ball to Reggie Gilliam or, or whatever. And that was something obviously like we've never, I don't think we've ever seen that from the Buffalo Bills you know, maybe they're just showing it just to show it and they're never going to do that in the regular season, but certainly something, something different. Uh, and I think, you know, we heard all, all off season about 12 personnel and what are, what people thought was going to happen, but obviously at least initially from early looks, they are going to be much more sort of creative with personnel groupings and things like that. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting if they do, 12 personnel because the early and you have to take everything with a grain of salt like right like you talked about that that jumbo package just then you know with uh, oj howard and reggie gilliam and stuff like that um and dawson knox or stefan diggs or whoever you said on the field and it's just like 
you know, I, I'm watching the Bills like, you know, kind of struggle, struggle on offense on Sunday a little bit. And then I'm like, you know, you don't know what they're really trying to do here. I mean, they're always trying right. to succeed every play, but they might be trying to practice a specific, you know, route or something or or a look or whatever. And the fact that they're not succeeding doesn't mean necessarily, as it does in a game, that they're not doing well. I mean, you don't know what they're trying to look at. Maybe they're looking at, you know, like route combinations with, you know, these three guys that, you know, tight end, it's, it's, you just don't know. And um, from all signs, especially with 12 personnel, you're talking about two tight ends. Uh, it doesn't sound like OJ Howard's having a great training camp so far. And Knox actually, you know, there was a day or so that he wasn't having a great, great, you know, training camp as well. Um, it sounds like he's getting a little bit better. I mean, again, grain of salt. I mean, these guys are going to have good days. They're going to have bad days. They haven't seen each other since June. Like, you know, this is, it's, they're knocking off the rust. I mean, that's what training camp is for. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would welcome it. I'd welcome any wrinkle that, you know, Ken Dorsey brings in that, you know, maybe Brian Dabo didn't have the players to actually do. I mean, cause he, cause he never had, you know, with Dawson Knox being really the only legitimate tight end on the team for the last couple of years, uh, he didn't have the ability to do a 12 personnel package. So uh, it, it would be exciting. I love OJ Howard, but I mean, if he's struggling this early and those struggles continue, uh, you know, maybe, maybe not so much. I don't know. We'll see. He's a good blocking tight end no matter what. So hopefully he can figure it out and get some chemistry with, uh, with Josh Allen. But, you know, it's, it's a little bit too early to, to tell. Uh, but I love the idea. I mean, I love the idea of a big guy like OJ Howard getting out there along with a Dawson Knox, who is a receiving threat. Um, I mean, there's, there's possibilities there, right? Oh yeah, I, I think so. It's certainly possibilities. I think to have Dawson Knox more in the uh, kind of like the George Kittle sort of role, the Mike Gusecki kind of role and, and have OJ Howard in more as a, as a blocker. So definitely, um, also, a lot of running back passes, uh, James Cook especially, have been reported so far. Um, but speaking of blocking, I, I know it's football, but I think we, we were all very happy with the potential lineup along the offensive line. And, and as we all recently found out, things are not as rosy uh, <laughs> as, as we had hoped. Apparently, Roger Saffold was, I'm assuming it was recently, in a car accident and and neither one of us are doctors obviously we we have to qualify what we're about to say next with, with that statement but i think it was a, like a three to six week kind of cracked ribs just window is kind of so, so update on that today is that uh it sounds like from what brandon bean said at the press conference today that like it could be in the next week he should be back Oh, okay. So right. that's kind of exciting. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that isn't it so funny uh, with training camp news in general, like the first day of training camp, it's like, Oh, Roger Saffold was in a car accident. And you're like, what? <laughs> right. Like, great. How did that happen? Yeah. How did, how did we not find out about that? Uh, and then, you know, there's other news like, you know, you knew Tredavious white was going to be, you know, on the, on the pop for, to, to start the training camp. And, and then, you know, the, the, Spencer Brown is still out or, or he's like getting limited practice in whatever. But yeah, the Saffold, like you said, like people just shuffling along the offensive lines, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like this was our chance to gel and get, get together. And all of a sudden, you know, yeah, these guys are out for, for, yeah, like you said, crap, cracked ribs, which, uh, which from what I've heard, doesn't sound like a fun, a fun injury. So. 
Right. And then you don't know if, as you said earlier, if they're trying something out. Like, I, I know the other day they had Cody Ford at left guard, but then I believe yesterday it was Questenberry at left guard. And, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, okay, well, it's going to be Spencer Brown at right tackle. Well, no, it's Tommy Doyle. So are they testing things out? Is, is this like, is this really who the next guy up would be? And it's interesting to me because the Questenberry thing is interesting because obviously they want to get better on the offensive line than they were last year, but they also, really didn't give Spencer Brown any competition and they always want to give rookies. Now, maybe not first rounders, like first rounders basically start under Sean McDermott. That's kind of his history, but you can look, go back to like Matt Milano guys like that. They always kind of platoon them with somebody else. And Spencer Brown was just kind of like, yo man, we really need you <laughs> like last year. And they just put him in there. So it's interesting now that they're like, okay, well now let's, let's now let's see if you can like kind of win the job, right? Like, we had to put you in last year, but now we've got all these guys. So now let's see if you can win the job. Like we, we had talked about before, mysterious injury. Not sure what that is, but he's been out most of the offseason. So it's interesting to me because I think most of us thought that Spencer Brown is just the right tackle, but that may not be the case. Well, it's funny that you say that because I think back last season, Daryl Williams was given the job. Um, and then it was like Spencer Brown was kind of like the backup, right? And you kind of had some reps in. And then, you know, a, a certain amount of games. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I might be wrong. But, like, after a few games, you're like, this ain't working. You know, Daryl Williams yeah, is getting like blasted. it was third game, I think, wasn't it? It was, it was early. And then, so, so this would be almost the first season where he hasn't had competition. You would think the first training camp, uh, because he wasn't competition, he didn't win it last season. Again, another thing where right. I'm not sure if that was, if that was Brian Dable or if that was Bobby Johnson on the offensive line coach, I don't know who couldn't see that. Like there's, there's a lot of questions I have about that. I'm hoping though, you know, aside is that Aaron Cromer is testing all these guys and he's really getting a good look at all of them and, and trying to figure out exactly where the best combination is. So that might be what we're seeing right now. We might be, we might see cause Questenberry for the most part from his career, from what I've read and looked at has been a right tackle or left tackle. Um, player so like the the inside the the guard thing is is brand new to me like i didn't know that was even a possibility same thing with tommy doyle getting some looks at guard like this guy's six foot eight like why would you want him at guard you know this is this is interesting but they're looking for they love versatility and sean mcdermott you know loves it along his offensive lines defensive line all this stuff like guys that can play different positions so maybe when it comes down to it you know instead of just giving tommy doyle a swing tackle role uh, you know, they're looking at, well, maybe Questenberry is a swing tackle. Maybe Tommy Doyle is the jack of all trades. Maybe you can play tackle or guard or whatever. Um, it's interesting to, to see where that, uh, pans out. Um, as far as Questenberry is concerned though, you know, it's funny when, when we get, uh, free agents from other teams, sometimes what I like to do is go on to other teams, message boards and see what they say about those players. <laughs> and sometimes it's more telling than you think think it is because I feel like you know if when Harrison Phillips left I think we all generally as a fan base liked Harrison Phillips when he left we weren't like sayonara like good riddance we don't we don't care no but but like it's like well you know maybe he wasn't everything we needed in our scheme but we still think he's a good player we still would have he's still he's still a great guy we would have liked to have kept him right 
when Questenberry left the Titans, I was reading the article about him, which was like he led the league with the most sacks against last season. And then I read that, you know, I'm watching these, you know, these Titans fans are like good riddance, you know, Sayonara, like I just said, and they're like, this guy's the worst. <laughs> like, um, so my expectations for Questenberry are kind of limited. Um, until we see more from the other, you know, the other guys in the rotation. Um, so, but I mean, again, you know, he's a veteran, he's a veteran guy. If he can play swing tackle or, you know, he, he can be a good backup. I mean, they, they need guys that can play, that can back up a guard and tackle. So we'll see where it goes, but, um, but I'm pumping the brakes on him for now, but maybe Aaron Cromer is that good. Maybe he's that good to get more out of him than the Titans offensive line coach could. Right. And, and as you said, they, they might, they're, I mean, they're obviously, you would assume testing things like, okay, what happens in this scenario? What happens if this guy gets hurt? Can this guy come in? Who's, who's the first guy off? And, and there's something interesting too, about Aaron Cromer. Again, I'll, I'll reference um, Joe Marino. He's got a pretty good relationship with Aaron Cromer. Um, I think Aaron Cromer's daughter actually works for the draft uh, network. I don't know if, if he had a good relationship before, that or at, I guess doesn't really matter. Um, but he was talking to Aaron Cromer, and, and it was interesting because I'd never heard this before, but it just sounds so logical at the same time. Cromer was saying he teaches each individual lineman like their own technique, kind of based on what they're good at. So instead of just taking the whole group and saying, okay, this is how, you know, we're going to zone block. This is how I want you to do your hands. Da, 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 da. He says, okay, we're going to zone block, but, you know, hey, Cody Ford, like, I think it's better if you do it this way. And Mitch Morris, I think it's better if you do it this way because of this body, whatever it is that, and I just thought that, that was really interesting. So, I, you know, certainly I think Cromer has to understand what these guys right like strengths weaknesses body that type of stuff if he's going to teach them that way because it's not one broad brush of a technique he's really getting into terms of of what you're good at individually and how that can go into the blocking scheme that they want to run i think that's what a good coach does right i mean we how many times have we i mean remember when rex ryan came here and he took like a top five defense that jim schwartz had built in a four three he's just like nope we're doing a three four and i remember reporters asking him at the time like you're gonna are you gonna run three four like you normally do or are you gonna actually you know run the four three like was really you know successful last season <laughs> oh he's like oh we'll see you know we'll try to do this and that. it was a three four it was a three four most of the time right. and that's a perfect example of a guy who is just so rigid you know, and he's just like, I had success with this one style and I'm just going to stick with it. You know, I got a ring from it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what good coaches do. And I'm glad that, to hear that you, that you said that. And I'm sure that that's what they're trying to do. I mean, I'm sure Aaron Cromer's looked a lot of tape of the guys that are currently on his roster. So he has an idea, but it's probably wants to fit him into these, these scenarios and see how each one, you know, performs and, and does, you know, in the grand scheme of things and, and, and is able to later on evaluate because, you know, even if let's say like, for example, if Questenberry is on the roster bubble, but what if there's an injury, where does he fit on the roster bubble? Is he the eighth offensive lineman or is he the ninth offensive lineman? So uh, there's a, there's a lot to, to digest, you know, from his end. And I'm sure he's probably trying to get as many angles as he possibly can. And we'll probably see that, 
potentially in the preseason games, which will be exciting because, I mean, those are coming up soon, which is just a great, like a week and a half, I think it is, that, you know, the Bills' first preseason game. I, I feel, you know, we just started training camp and already we're talking <laughs> that there might be a game soon, which is which is insane. And then they open up the season, which is going to happen in, what, like six weeks? Jeez, I mean, it's yeah. just wow. Yeah, yeah, definitely early. Uh what are what are your th- feelings about Cody Ford? I, yeah. I mean, most people obviously are just disappointed, but obviously <laughs> then there's the the hope of the magic of Aaron Cromer. The question, I guess, partially is if he does work magic, are we ever, are we ever going to know? Because I mean, you assume that when everyone's healthy, he's not a starter, so it's kind of. I, I understand them giving him a chance because of the whole Wyatt Teller thing. You know, giving him a chance with a guy like Cromer. I I don't know. I just don't know. Like, I, I guess I don't know where I stand on Cody Ford. Where, where do you stand on Cody Ford? So there was a tweet about a year ago now. It was from an account called Bill's Mafia Rochester. Which is sometimes kind of funny when people just like call themselves like Bill's Mafia Rochester, or Bill's Bill's Mafia, like right. North Carolina. Like it's just one guy. Like how do you get that <laughs> title, right? right. Um, <laughs> but what was funny is the individual guy or girl, I have no idea, like said one of the biggest disappointments, disappointing draft picks of Brandon Bean is Cody Ford, and he like took his handle and he mentioned him, Cody Ford, and people were so upset, which rightfully so like you could have an opinion about Cody Ford, but don't tag him in it. Right. Like don't, don't like right, out right. him on that. Like just say what you think and everyone, but at the same time, I was kind of like, you know, I don't disagree with the actual take. Like, you know, there's, yeah. there's worse takes mm-hmm. to have. And the more that keeps going, that was even before last season where he lost his job again. Um, You know, he, every, every, every time, every year, it feels like they're trying to give it to him. They're like, please, please take this guard position. Like, we don't want to keep paying, you know, overpaying these veterans. And he's like, nope, nope, I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. I'm just, I'm just, um, so, uh, Cody Ford, I'm, I'm not high on, um, if Aaron Cromer can get something out of him, which you like, I'm not rooting against Cody Ford by any means, you know, as a person or whatever, like I want him to do well. It's just, things have not, have not worked out for him so far. So, uh, I would say that, I'm not high on him and I feel like it's more likely that he will get uh, cut or traded, which I don't know what the trade market is for him, by the way, it's probably zero, but I think it's more likely that he gets cut at this point than, uh, than he makes the team, you know, unless a miracle happens because I, I mean, I think Brandon Bean, like I, th- I like that you brought up Wyatt Teller because I feel like he learned a lesson from that. But I mean, Wyatt Teller wasn't this bad. You know what I mean? Like Wyatt Teller showed flashes. He just maybe wasn't a starter at the time that the Bills um, traded him, and the Bills were looking to just acquire assets just to be able to move up to get Josh Allen. Um, so I think he's looking at that. I think what it is mostly is that he moved up to get Cody Ford. And I think he wants to see this investment through, but there comes right. a time where like Sean has just got to step in. And he's like, listen, Brandon, like, you know, we're trying our best. And it sounds like, I mean, from what I've read, he's still getting blown up in practice. Uh, I mean, but the bills have a really good defensive line. So how can you hold that against them? You just, you're just hoping for a little bit more, I think. Yeah. I, I think the, and I guess now that I, 
I think the best scenario for Cody Ford is that he, uh, you know, spends, I don't know, a decade, right, with the team as, as like the seventh or eighth offensive lineman, like, like a guy who can come in when, you know, somebody goes down or for a game here or there or a series here or there. I mean, you know, I don't know if it, it seems obviously like there's an issue with his anchor or his strength. And I don't know, you know, if Aaron Cromer and, and can teach him technique that, that overcomes that, I just, you know, I just don't know. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure that they're operating with caution um, and they, and they want to see it through, but to your point, do, do you try to trade him and get something right? Because if he, if he's still terrible, you're not going to resign him probably. So, and I guess, you know, at this point, what a sixth or a seventh pick, I don't know how much that really matters, but Brandon Bean does this a lot where he'll trade guys for those, those picks. So it must matter to him somewhat. So, I mean, they were, they were kind of, um, hesitant to move him to guard. Remember? Like, I mean, they draft him as a right tackle. So like it even took them a season longer than it really should have to move him to guard. And then you're thinking, okay, well, you know, it stinks that we didn't get the right tackle that we wanted, but at least we're going to get a good guard. And we didn't even get a good guard. So, I mean, there's, there's not, (laughs) we were thinking, well, you know, he has the potential. If he's not going to be like a starting right tackle, he should be an even better guard because we were hoping for that and he's not. So I think his expect our expectations of him are so low. Mine are at least I'm sure yours are too. It's just, they're not, they're not high. I don't, I don't. Yeah. Anyway, continue with what you were saying, but yeah. yeah I, well, no, I was just the sort of the guy who was like, Hey, why don't we just put him in one spot? First of all, instead of having, you know, every year you're trying to put him someplace different or every, every six games, you're trying to put him someplace different. And, you know, I guess, I mean, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess on that one. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how much. This is also the first season off season where he didn't have surgery. It, it, I was, I was reading. So this is, right. this is kind of a big deal for him, but yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess it's, it comes down to, can you justify the roster spot? Right. Because they might, they might be in a situation where I know that they've never kept six wide receivers, but they may have to keep seven depending on how the kick punt return job goes you know, I mean, there's just other things like you, they had two tight ends on the roster. They're probably going to have three this year. So can, you know, and I know they'll keep nine offensive linemen. The question is how, you know, where does your loyalty lie to Cody Ford in terms of when does that get overtaken by? He's just not that good. You know, I think, I think that's kind of what we're all trying to figure out is, you know, he, he doesn't seem that good. So, like your loyalty at some point has to, you know, has to be overtaken, I guess is the best way to say it. You ever, you ever uh, think about like, I'll have uh, my co-hosts like text me sometimes and say, you know, they'll talk about players on the bills that never really got a good chance. Like they'll bring up JP Lawsman, right? Like you, we all have a friend that brings up JP Lawsman and says <laughs> he never got a good shake at it. Right. At what point, how many teams does a player need to go through or how many chances does a player need to go through before you're like, he just wasn't going to make it. Like there's just, there's just, it's just not going to happen. And right. you know, I don't Cody Ford, obviously this is his first team, but it's like, how many chances does this guy need to get before he shows? Because you know, if he showed any flashes whatsoever, they would keep him in. 
and they mm-hmm. would have him start or potentially at least you know be the primary backup or be excited about you know uh i think i think there comes a point where like some people just maybe aren't built for it and you know how do you figure that out though i mean that's just i don't think there's a metric or anything you know maybe you could you could figure out something charlie about like you know some sort of analytic (laughs) or metric that like how do you when to give up on a guy right like um when he's not going to be that guy i mean think about ryan fitzpatrick how many how many player teams has that guy gone through and he's still you know in the league or well he just retired but like i mean (laughs) it's just i don't know it's i i I oh you you always wish or hope that these guys can make it because you root for them and you know like you know maybe they're just missing something maybe they didn't you know figure something out in the draft process and uh and yeah it's just I don't know I'm 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 curious though like you were mentioning um you know roster spots for for wide receivers and how the punt returner battle is going to go and it's like man like i was reading that jameson crowder was missing practice and then the first backup to to him was you know khalil shakir which is really cool because he's a rookie everyone's really high on him but i'm like why isn't isaiah mckenzie like fitting in that role like why isn't he getting more reps there um i really don't want isaiah mckenzie to kind of get pigeonholed into the same role where he's been like a gadget guy but doesn't really get the ball ever and then like he's really not like a featured punt returner like you know what i mean like keeping a roster spot for him just to kind of like punt return until he muffs it and then he gets you know taken off of you i don't know what what do you think about that not to switch gears on you but like you really you really got you really got me thinking about that role and it'd be nice to you know fit a guy that can do two at once because remember what was it was it the Rex Ryan or Doug Marone years where we had like two kickers and you're like, what a waste of oh, a yeah. roster Oh yeah, I think that was spot. Doug Marone, right? Yeah, I think so. What a waste of a roster spot for a guy that yeah. just kicked off. Um, I mean, I don't know, because I've heard sort of conflicting reports. Like I, I did hear the Shakir thing, but then I heard, I think it was, was it Monday? Where it's like Isaiah McKenzie, Crowder was healthy and Isaiah McKenzie was like the first guy to take reps in the slot. So mm. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess... I mean, McKenzie's what, like 28 now? Like, I, I feel like, I feel, yeah, I feel like he needs to, um, I don't know if be allowed is the right word, but I mean, I feel like he needs to contribute more. And I don't know if that's in the past, obviously you have Cole Beasley in the past or, or because like he just wasn't that accomplished as a root runner and, and, and maybe now he is, I don't, I don't really know, but. Yeah, I think the more guys you can have that can contribute in 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 almost like a starting way, you know, like if he's like the third or fourth guy, and then also, you know, do do punt returns or kick returns, or I think that that's great. But yeah, I mean, having a guy just to have a gadget guy, I don't think is ideal, um, you know, for the team, especially when you've got Kumaro kind of as the well, you're just going to play special teams guy you don't really want to have like another guy who kind of just kind of does some uh you know a few goofy things see i mean you figure it's you know it's it's Diggs, davis crowder mckenzie kumaro and then it sounds like so far shakir's been playing well i'm sure they don't want to expose him and then you've got to figure out you know stevenson and Tavon austin i i mean i i just I feel like they almost have to keep seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just, like I said, you know, McKenzie's never been like the greatest 
guy for returns in, in terms of ball security. So if you can get Shakir and Stevenson to do punts and kicks, then you've got to keep the, you know, you can't just be like, well, we want one guy to do it. We don't care. <laughs> you know, like we, you can't just be that inflexible, I guess. Like if, if you've got seven great, really great wide receivers, you have to keep seven. I, you know, I don't, I don't think that they'd have to be married to that. I hope they're not married to that sort of combination. They seem to be um, so far, but going back to earlier about like, how do you know when a guy doesn't have it? I mean, I don't know if you can measure that. I, I you know, I'm McKenzie's a, I'm a, a big, perfect example because McKenzie's right. seen like three different offensive coordinators. You know, if he doesn't, if he can't make an impact with this one, like, you know, what are we waiting for? Right. At 28. Yeah. And, and I feel like situation matters, but I think like situation, cause I'm a big situation matters guy, but I'm like a big situation matters guy for quarterbacks. Um, I think it's easy to ruin a quarterback, and I think it's, you know, like drafting Justin Fields into that situation was just incredibly dumb and selfish. They were trying to save their jobs, um, you know, like the whole Josh Rosen thing. And now Josh Rosen may end up just that he's not good at one aspect of football, but I it's hard to deny that he really – you know, in an ideal world, I guess what I'm saying is I'd like every quarterback to be built around the way Josh Allen is. And then if they stink, they stink. And if they're good, they're good. Whereas, you know, offensive linemen, like you can be an okay offensive lineman and spend 15 years in the league. Like, you know, like not every one of those guys is going to be Quentin Nelson or something, but I think you can make a good career. So I don't know how much like. Like, I don't know how much, like, if Wyatt Teller stayed with Buffalo, would he have never become Wyatt Teller? Like, did you know, did he have to move? Like, that's one of the things maybe we'll never know. So I don't know how you, how you can, I think it's tougher to measure when a guy doesn't have it for non-quarterbacks. Like, quarterbacks, okay, he can't, he can't read a defense. He's, he doesn't know what he's looking at. Like, we can't keep this guy. But, you know, I, I think for the other positions, it's more, I think it's more ambiguous Right. Because I think like almost every guy who's drafted can play and then they kind of reach a level and you go, well, we want a guy who's better than that. Um, you know, so so I don't know. I don't know if you could ever measure that analytically. Um, what do you think about you? Speaking of that, like, you know, quarterback and, and being able to to look at traits and stuff like that. What did you think about um, Kyler Murray's contract having oh. that clause in it that oh said God. that said that he needed, he was required during the season to put in at least four hours of film study on the opposing I, team. Like, what did you think about that? Yeah, actually just telling my wife about that clause in the contract. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, what are you doing? Like Arizona <laughs> Arizona, I think, has become the worst franchise in the NFL. And that's weird because they won like 10 games last year. But this whole like, first of all, they gave Steve Keim, their GM, an extension. And he literally like has really done nothing. Like, I understand that like he's, he drafted Kyler Murray and he like signed J.J. Watt, like whatever. And then you give Cliff Kingsbury, a guy who also an extension. The team is, has floundered in the second half of every season. And then you give Kyler Murray a 5'10", 
you know, 180 pound quarterback who's always threatening to go leave to play baseball, this gigantic <laughs> contract because you're scared that he's he, like, he bullied them into giving that contract. Yeah, he did. He did. That was early. Lamar yeah, Jackson and, doesn't even have a contract. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then you, then you like Andrew, I think it was Andrew Brandt on uh, Twitter. He's like, what are you doing? Like if, if you just gave $230 million to a guy who, who you know doesn't really care that much because he doesn't prepare. Like, you had to put a clause into his contract about watching film, and you, you gave him the second highest contract ever in the NFL. Like, those two things should should repel each other. They shouldn't, like, come make it come together. Like, what are you doing? And, and then, like, and then my wife was like, well, how are they going to check? Like, yeah. I mean, how are they going to, like, wow, what's that? Like, yeah. how do you check that? Do you, like, like not, like, have a camera in his house or something? Like, I don't even like i don't know like and then he then he i don't know if you saw his quote no this isn't the exact quote but it was something to the effect of i don't watch film because i don't need to i just go out on the field and i just see things as they happen and i don't need (laughs) like i'm just so smart and all i'm like oh my god like (laughs) i was like i don't even know like okay well good luck with that you know yeah you know, it's it's funny, like um like what you were saying Andrew Brandt was quoting, like, what are you doing? And it's like they could you imagine if they let Kyler Murray go though? Like um, it, eventually they were gonna have to pay him. And as 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 dumb as it sounds to us, like you know, like even if Kyler Murray is only a top fifteen quarterback um in the league, which some would argue he's he's well within the top ten. Like you gotta pay him. Like you have to. Ryan Tannehill got paid, and he's well, awful. Not I awful, think, but like, I shouldn't say to, that. But like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, to me, that's where I differ. Like I don't think that. Like I, honestly, like I don't even think that they should pay Lamar Jackson. Like to me, if you're not like if you don't have your own Josh Allen, like what are you doing? Like you should just yeah. try and draft your Josh Allen. And I know, like Josh Allen, I understand that. Like because I'm like no one's this combination of traits has never been put together in this way in a quarterback. And so I understand it's hard to find. But my point is, is you get you got Josh Allen, you got Pat Mahomes, you got uh the criminal in Cleveland, and there's like two or three other guys, like Rodgers, and that's it. So like you, like these teams are like, well we have to pay him. Like no you don't. Like you don't have to pay him. And I understand like you might not draft a better guy next but you're going to give $230 million to a guy who doesn't study film and who keeps threatening you to that. He's going to go play baseball. And he, he's, he, you know, he can't like, he can't ride certain roller coasters at Cedar point. Like, come on. And like Lamar Jackson, I understand like Warren Sharp had this thing where he puts all these stats and, and you know, like about, Oh, well the yards per attempt on first down outside the numbers. And this is Lamar Jackson was for whatever, man. Like, have you seen him throw a football? Like, it's not great. Like, it's just not. And, and like, but you're married to this type of offense with him, like, forever then. Like, so you're kind of limiting yourself. And and they succeed best with two tight ends in the middle of the field. And it's congratulations to Lamar Jackson for being, you know, first on first down, outside the numbers, whatever. Like, 
I just feel like you're still limiting yourself. And he's a great athlete. He's a great quarterback in terms of what he can do and how he can manipulate the pocket, how he can escape pressure. He's not a great quarterback when it comes to throwing the football. He's just not. So, like, I just feel like when you pay those two guys or when you, like, you pay a Kirk Cousins, are you going to win games? Yes, you are going to win games. You're going to win 10 games. You're going to win nine games. You're going to win 11 games. You'll make the playoffs, like, a good amount of the time, and then you're going to lose. So, like, if that's that's good, like, your fan base will be happy. You'll make money, but you're you're probably not – your chances of winning a Super Bowl are going to be much lower than the Buffalo Bills or the Kansas City Chiefs. And so, so for mo- me, like, I'm just, like, try and get the guy who can really ele- – you know, who try and get that guy. Like, and that's just my my thing. But, yeah, no, I, I understand that owners are more willing – you know, have other concerns. Like I don't have, I don't, I'm not running a multi-billion dollar business like they are. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but I just think that's how they like hold themselves back in a way, you know, mm-hmm. you're more like, give me an A or give me an F sort of guy. Yeah, like, like I don't want to see how Andy Dalton is like quarterback purgatory to me, a guy like Kirk cousins or Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray is just like the next level of quarterback purgatory. Like you're, you're better off, but you're still like, you're still like below, you know, like you're still not in that other range. So, you know, I like, I, I'm like, I understand quarterbacks are hard to find. (laughs) Like, I'm not saying they're easy to find, but you know, I mean, what, like at the end of Lamar Jackson's career, if they never win a Super Bowl, but they win 12 games every year, I mean, (laughs) that was fun for for them, right. And their fans, but okay you know well the thing about like lamar jackson and kyler murray's traits and even even to a lesser extent guys that are like you know limited physically guys are gifted physically but limited arm wise arm talent wise like lamar jackson and kyler actually kyler murray's got a really good arm so i i I shouldn't say that but like you know eventually they get figured out right like and you can't run guys like that for 10 years under that like that's just it's just not sustainable they have to evolve like people people always said that about josh allen his first two seasons is he's a runner he's a runner first and by the way like why was that like people aren't saying that more about anyway so but like he evolved and he proved that he can do a lot more than just that i mean that's actually like you know something that like if he needs to he can do it really well but it's not his first you know go-to Right. And that's, it's kind of like Lamar's first go to in in a way. And, you know, Kyler is kind of like, I'm either going to throw it deep or I'm going to (laughs) run, you know, and there sort of maybe hasn't been that. I think Lamar has gotten better, uh, you know, but I don't think he's, you know, wherever. I don't think he's evolved the way Josh Allen has evolved. Um, You put him, you put him at the the second best of that draft class, though, right? Under Josh Allen. Oh yeah. Like, I don't, I mean, uh, the rest of those guys are, I, you know, I think Baker's probably third Um, as much as people don't like him. He was injured last year and, and he's, he's a distant third. Um, But I mean, it certainly isn't Sam Darnold. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Not that guy. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I, I just, I just, I wish teams did things differently. And I, I think, most of it stems from most of the problems stem from ownership 
Um, you know, you like look at the Jets until recently, and that was an ownership issue. Like they had all these people all reporting to the owner; they're all competing for his good graces, and it just causes chaos. And I don't know. <clears throat> I think a lot of it's just on the owners. Well, I think I think you, it's kind of telling when you just mentioned that just now, like with the, with the Jets, when a new, like just think about like Josh Rosen, right? Josh Rosen was drafted, um, you know, in, in Josh Allen's draft, and then Rosen's, you know, head coach gets fired, and then what is the what's the first thing that they do just after they took a first round rookie quarterback, the season before, is they draft Kyler Murray in the first round, first overall, so that's indicative of. Like, what will these guys do when given the chance? Like, a new regime comes in. They had all the chance to be like, Josh Rosen's a good quarterback. We're just not giving him a chance. To he's definitely not good enough. They're not married to him emotionally like the previous, you know, front office was. And that's, right. I mean, that's more telling, like, just like Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson. Like, there's just, it's so telling of like, you know, people trying to keep their jobs as opposed to, you know, do really doing what's best and tearing it down. And you know better than I mean, we, we both know, all Bills fans know better than anyone, is that, you know, when you middle with quarterback play for years and years, it gets you nowhere. And it, right. and you think about like the Brad Johnsons and, uh, geez, who's, who's the other guy that, uh, that won a court, that won a Super Bowl Trent with either. With either Trent Dilfer, thank you. Like those guys are outliers. Like that's rarely yeah. the case. So, so why bother? I mean, to your point, why bother unless you have the guy? I mean, I'd be willing to get like when we talked about this, you know, when Sean McDermott before he got his contract, before we knew for sure that Josh Allen was a franchise guy just a couple of seasons ago, we were talking about how good of a job, you know, Sean McDermott was doing. And would you give him, would you give him and Brandon Bean a second crack at a quarterback if Josh Allen didn't work out? And, you know, we were thinking about it, you know, so anyway, to your point, like, uh, you know, these guys get married to these, to these quarterbacks just to do well enough, but not to actually be competitive enough to win the whole damn thing. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's a scary thing, right? I, I mean, it's probably scary, but think, think about it this way. You've got Drew Brees played what, 20 years, more or less Peyton Manning paid, played 20 years more or less Aaron Rodgers around that time Ben Roethlisberger around that time what well, the between all of them they've got what five Super Bowl wins and yeah. like six appearances mm. and those are like four of the greatest quarterbacks ever like those those four guys easily probably slide into the top 15 maybe not Ben but the other three guys I, I would think are, are pretty solidly in there and I understand like okay you're playing in Tom Brady's era like I, I get that but <clears throat> so 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 those guys got there two or three times and won it once or twice. You're telling me like, you think like Kyler Murray, like Kyler, you're going to take your chances with Kyler Murray. Like, I just don't, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. Like I said, it's, it's a business. We're trying to make money. I get it. What, what would, but, could you imagine, could you imagine, sorry, you brought up Aaron Rodgers. I, I love that point because I think about this like once a week or once every couple of weeks, just randomly pops into my brain is that we saw Aaron Rodgers win a Super Bowl. What is like third or fourth season or something? Yeah, it was like, like what was that? that like 08 or 2010 or something? Yeah. And he's been playing even better since then more recently. 
and still not even gotten a chance to go. Right. I mean, we're we're upset each season. You all, you know, we lose to Patrick Mahomes the last couple of seasons. You know, Deshaun Watson the season before that, like, ah, it sucks. You know, they could have gone a little bit further. But, like, we're not getting – I mean, we're getting Josh Allen at a good time in his career. But, like, we haven't had him for, like – 14 years yet and have been like we've only gotten one super bowl or we got it one in 08 like you said we thought we were going to get at least one more before he turned 40 and we're still you know right. he's still we got a couple of seasons left till that like imagine being a green bay packers fan thinking every single season you are a super bowl contender or favorite and every season you don't even get there like that's crazy yeah yeah and 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 you know and that speaks a little bit right to the random randomness of it. So, you know, you're saying, well, why not Kyler Murray or why not Kirk Cousins? But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like that's that's just how I feel about it. You know, and I and then obviously and then your other point I think about the Bills, that was their greatest failing was they never wanted to tear it down. Um or or they never had a plan. You know, I don't know if, if being a McDermott ever theoretically tore it down either, but they had a plan. Mm-hmm. And then they and they stuck to the plan and and the Bills never had a plan. You know, the plan was just to like, well, we don't want to be terrible because we still want to sell tickets. There's our plan, you know, like. Yeah. And so and I think it just speaks to how much, you know, how much leadership really means, you know, like. You know, Sean McDermott. Basically saved the franchise. It isn't Josh Allen. It's Sean McDermott, you know, and it, and, and, and by proxy, you can say, well, Terry and Kim Pagula hired him. But to me, that's a crapshoot. You know, how do you know <laughs> Tommy, it Sean was... McDermott's going to be this Sean? You don't know that. How would you let's, let's, know let's, that? let's be honest, Charlie, real quick. That was all just dumbass luck, right? Like there was, they backed I, I think so, but people are like convinced that they're these geniuses, like coach hiring geniuses. You can't. What, what track record did they have? They 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 hired uh, Rex Ryan as soon as they got in. They fired him two years into his contract, and they did hire Sean McDermott. But then look on the Sabres side; they haven't hired a good coach since. So it's like, no. you know, <laughs> and, and been, if, you, if you think about all the stuff that's gone on, it's Sean McDermott. Like Sean McDermott was here first, and he said, you know, he gave them five five names. Bean was one of them. You know, the the whole training facility that was Sean McDermott. Like Terry Pagula wasn't like, hey, we need a new training facility. That was Sean McDermott. You know, so Sean McDermott like saved the franchise and and it's it's popular to to credit Josh Allen. And certainly, you know, obviously, I'm not saying Josh Allen didn't have a hand in that. Like if Josh Allen's not on the team, this team's not getting a new stadium. They're moving. There's no way they're going to build a stadium if, if the bills are still terrible. But again, it goes back to Sean McDermott, like Sean McDermott came in and was like, I don't want to be too much with hyperbole, but has anyone really ever changed a culture like this much? I, there has to probably is, but I can't think of them. I mean, he came in and was just like, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And it's this, this, this. And it's like, wow. Y- you know? So, I mean, without him, this team like, isn't here. I don't think that's, I mean, maybe that's a hot take. I don't think it is. But- this you know what it reminds me of a little bit is when Jim Harbaugh came to the San Francisco 49ers and they were like middling forever and he came in and the next season with almost the same personnel and a couple of changes like 
couple of major changes, I'm sure. They went from like a six and ten team where Michael Mike Singletary got fired from, and then they were like an eleven and five or ten and six like playoff contender, and uh, they were a threat every single season. It felt like, and yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, and, and it's definitely Sean McDermott has has absolutely hundred percent changed his culture around, but you have to give Kim and Terry Pagula credit for enabling it and allowing him to do it because you know some coaching or some ownerships would be like no you can't do that no we're not building a state-of-the-art fit well we'll buy you know we'll we'll make one that's okay you know like like they they're just like hey you know if this is what you want and this is what will win it's like we'll invest it and they trust him to know that this isn't just uh, you know uh, i just want this you know this is just something i i just want it's something that he felt would would change and and he's right i mean why wouldn't you trust the guy everything he's done so far is you know how many coaches have we had come in before sean mcdermott with potentially a better roster than he had when he broke the drought and just not be able to to do it right so many <laughs> yeah, almost all and- Right. I'm sure like if Sean McDermott was here, he would probably have interrupted us by now and been like, no, look, like you guys don't, you know, like Terry and Kim have been very and I'm not saying like Terry and Kim like haven't been whatever. I I think I I commend them because they say yes a lot. I'm assuming like they, you know, like like, oh, that's okay. whatever you need, man. And it's a credit to them because right, because a lot of owners want to be out front. They want to be doing their thing. So definitely a credit to them for being smart enough to listen to the people that they hired like absolutely you know and and so i'm not saying that like they haven't done anything but obviously you don't know what what a person's going to be when you hire them it's a total crapshoot but certainly a credit to them for for trusting and 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 at least not not being disruptive publicly and I don't think they're disruptive privately. We, there's no reason for me to think that either. I mean, obviously, they own the team. They have questions. They want to know why certain things were done. And I think Brandon Bean has said Terry keeps notes during the game. That's he's the owner. Do it, do it. You know, like do whatever you want. But their, you know, willingness to to not be public and to be supportive behind the scenes has been their, I think, their greatest contribution. Um, to the success of the franchise. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. They might, they may have gotten completely lucky in hiring McDermott, but they, yeah, like you said, they, they get for, for what we know, they get credit for still like, I mean, we just talked, you just mentioned, you know, building around Josh Allen, like the way that the, you know, Brandon Bean has done to build around him. I mean, Kim and Terry Pagula have done a similar thing to build around Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean for the, for their franchise and, and spending money where they need to, you know, getting the resources where they, where they, it seems necessary, at least from the outside. Yeah. I mean, they, they definitely deserve credit. They got lucky, but they've also not been like, well, it's just luckily, you know, just, you know, let it ride. It's like, no, we also have to keep, you know, keep investing. So, so credit, so luck and credit for, for both. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you know, they might have something with Kevin Adams. We'll see. I mean, I mean, I like I I will not be a Sabres guy until Gergensons and Ocposo are not on the team. However, from what they've said, they certainly seem to have learned uh, from the McDermott Bean combination of of how a sports franchise can run. If if you you know you've got the right 
two people in those positions. And I think that they're trying to do that with the Sabres. You know, they're trying to build in what we would consider the right way, I think. Now, time will tell. Um, you know, but I, I, it looks to me like they're trying to take those principles from the Bills and move them um, onto the Sabres, and, and we'll see. So, hey, speaking of which, like, we still haven't gotten an update on Kim Pagula, right? Like, isn't that odd? Like, I, mm. I, I, I'm worried that it's that it's more serious than they're leading on, and especially because she is so young. I mean, she was she in her like 50s, maybe early 50s. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you know that as soon as she was okay, they would be like, she's doing fine, blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, just just um, yeah. If it, it was one thing, it was like, well, you know, she's in the hospital. Hope she's okay. Um, and you know, you and I might have even talked about that on Justice's podcast. It's just like, oh, you know, this and that. But then, like at the same time, it's like, man, like like they they just basically had a statement recently saying, like, you know, she's doing better, but not like you know, we're keeping it private, meaning. She's not out of the woods, uh, which is unfortunate to hear because you, you just kind of hope that, you know, you know, she's healthy. She's, 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 she's meant a lot to this franchise, I think. Yeah. Uh, I actually just searched her name right now on Twitter and yeah, there, there's not much. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I like, again, we're not doctors. Um, but when it first happened, my first thought was, the way they they said it, it seemed like like my first thought was, well, if it came on suddenly, it was like a stroke, or or, or something, you know, of that nature. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's been like two weeks now, right? At least, and there really so, hasn't been. So, so the much. the official statement came out on July second, which is Jesus. Oh boy, okay, weeks so now? it's been twenty three yeah, days, crazy. And it says Kim is, yeah. From the time we're recording um, this, and it said, uh, Kim is progressing well and is resting and rehabilitating from a health issue. We are grateful for the medical professionals providing her care and everyone for their prayers and well wishes. But progressing right. well is, I mean, does that's... not mean that she's out of the woods with, I don't know. It's, it's, it... right. I mean, the only thing I really I'm curious see, we'll see Twitter, her like, you know, is... opening day. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of people's feelings that, uh, you know, maybe that's why the, some of the uniform stuff has been put on hold because I guess she's involved, heavily involved with that. But mm. yeah, uh, I mean, there really hasn't been anything. And it's funny because I honestly, I didn't even think about it. I just kind of assumed like, oh, she must've gotten out of the hospital, you know, like, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, she, you know, like it's not a publicized thing. She's, she's at home, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I like yeah. I, I I hesitate to speculate, right? Like, because obviously, yeah, because we're not doctors. I obviously. mean, it, <laughs> right? I, I mean, it, it, there's only is there can only be so many things, though. You know, I'm I'm sure w- w- we all have seen enough medical shows or whatever to have at least a ballpark idea of of the things that could be wrong. Um, yeah. So I, I remember. I so one of our listeners uh, is I forget I forget exactly what. I don't know if he's a radiologist or neuro neurologist or something like that, uh, but he's have he's heavily in the medical field. And I remember messaging him on the side. I'm like, it's kind of odd that like she's still receiving medical treatment for something that happened months ago. Like, right? Like that's that's not a small deal. Like for someone her age, and he kind of mentioned like you know for someone her age who which is you know still kind of young, 
you know, it's not like she's she's elderly. Um, for her to still be retreat receiving treatment for something that long, it's like makes me think that it might be more serious than people then they're leading on and uh so um again you know it's all pure speculation uh sure. but yeah that's that's kind of what the feeling that i left that conversation with was you know you don't hear of many 53 year olds or whatever she is like you know still receiving medical treatments for like i mean i'll give you i'll give you an example like i had back surgery in april and like, I mean, I was done receiving treatment like the day off, <laughs> you know, like that was my right. treatment. That was it. And I had spinal surgery. So like, you know, it's just. <laughs> right. And there's I other mean, like serious things that where you can, you can still be receiving treatment, but be at home. Yes, exactly. You, know, you don't have to stay in the hospital to receive the treatment. Like if you have cancer, you just go home and they, yeah. and they treat you at home, you know, so I mean, heart, brain, right? I mean, what? Heart, brain, lungs, COVID. I mean, what? I mean, I, mean, I don't I, know. Right. That, nothing. I mean, nothing that's not serious, essentially. Right. Like, why else would somebody be in a hospital or, or receiving treatment? Yeah, for that long. And it's not like, she, oh, she's receiving like physical therapy because that's one thing. Another right. thing is like, yeah, like still receiving, you know, kidney. I don't know. You, it could be anything. Yeah, but yeah, but. I mean, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I've sort of, like I said, I took a break from, and I hadn't even really thought about it. I just kind of assumed, hey, you know, I'm I just missed the news or they didn't even announce it. She's just home, and but yeah, that's the way I, these I conversations. Mean, that's the way these good conversations go, Charlie. Where we're hitting on one thing and then we're hitting on another, <laughs> and then we're going from here to there. We're talking Kim Pagula. We're talking, yeah. you know, uh, the Sean McDermott, and yeah, the process, and you know, Kyler Murray, and we're just, we're just. I mean, <laughs> it just goes right. everywhere. <laughs> That's right. Well, well, you know, I I know that uh, I think we we've hit uh, the time limit. I know you ha you have some place to be. I think so. I do appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to join me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And before I go, you go, of course. Please let the people know where they can find you and and where they can get all the other great uh, content in case they don't know uh, on the Buffalo Rumblings Network. So, uh, first thing, I. I Thank you so much for having me on, Charlie. This is really cool. I'm glad that we were able to like kind of hook up. You know, I mean, obviously I knew you from social media and Twitter and everything, but it's kind of cool to actually talk to you. We did that, you know, several times um, on Justice's podcast. So it was cool to, I, I pre really, truly appreciate it. This was a lot of fun to come on your podcast. So um, I appreciate the heck out of it. Um, secondly, the thing I'll be looking for most when it comes to the rest of training camp is that there's no injuries. That's all I really, really care about. You know, like when it comes down to it, like, yeah, is this guy winning this battle? Like, yeah, that's sure. It's great fodder for sure. But it's nothing compared to like if someone goes down with a serious injury. So that's all I really, truly care about in this time frame. Uh, but, you know, it's fun to talk about the battles and, and everything going on. Um, we are uh, on, on so all social media handles. Uh, we're at CTW pod, like circling the wagons pod that's on Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, uh, do most of my work on Twitter. I, the only thing I really use Instagram for is the memes that we create. Um, so that's all that, that's all that's basically there, but, um, it's still fun to do. I really have to start getting into that now with, now that training camps, uh, going, uh, and you can find our podcast, which is circling the wagons on the Buffalo rumblings podcast network. So if you search Buffalo rumblings, then you just scroll to wherever you see CTW or circling the wagons. Um, we're on there once a week, uh, every 
Monday morning, early, either early Monday morning or eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time. We're talking bills all the time. We're recapping games when the season starts, and uh, we're just having a good time. We're we're not the uh, we're not the Charlie. We're not the we're not the analytics guy. You know, like <laughs> like you are <laughs> the, figuring out metrics and how like players are going to succeed in the NFL and stuff like that. But uh, but we're mostly like you know easygoing talk like it was today of like you know speculation and fun discussions and also a little bit of reminiscing about you know the good old days and then the pain and anguish that we we went through in the drought. So it's always it's always a fun time. But, but yeah, I appreciate appreciate you having me on for sure. Yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on. And people can find me on Twitter at ttp underscore charlie. Uh, please leave a uh, tell a friend. Tell an enemy if, if you didn't like it. If they listen, I don't really care. Uh, you know, I appreciate any reviews or subscriptions or, or downloads from the podcast. And Bill's Mafia, find a way to embrace your growth mindset. And as always, trust the process.